What is up, everybody? It is a Tuesday, and Tuesday means we are finally back. Happy New Year to all. Welcome to the Orion Podcast. What is up? Welcome back. Special guest tonight. Zach is gone. As you can see, it's just it's just me and our special guest, Mr. One, the legend, Jim Sammons. <laughs> that just means I'm old. Well, it can't. It can mean you're old. It can just mean that you've accomplished great feats. In a lot of years. In a lot of years. <laughs> gray with gray hair comes great wisdom, as they say. Oh, okay. <laughs> tell, can we record that tell that to my wife <laughs> i don't know i've been telling myself that because mine's coming in pretty thick i was getting my hair cut the other day and no kidding man i looked down it was a black gown and i went oh my god and that lady started laughing at me she was just like yeah i heard that happens as you get older and i'm like yeah thanks yeah i finally i finally renewed my i had to renew my driver's license and i finally had to switch the hair color from brown <laughs> it's like you know it's on there brown they're like uh really brown i'm like oh, okay <laughs> it's pretty much straight up gray now <laughs> giving in give hey you know sometimes you just got to i mean i could get i guess we could go with the just for men sponsorship is that um, still a thing are they still even out there I don't know. There's a lot of those old men sponsorships that I need. <laughs> I'm not well, going to say which ones. <laughs> it could go real. This could go real wrong real quick. Oh, man. So there's a lot of people, though, that may not know the whole Jim Salmon story. So one of the things I've always liked to do on this Orion podcast is kind of go back just a little bit and get into the uh, before you are before you were here. Um, so kind of let's talk about how you got into the outdoors and how, where did, where did all this come from? Well, I mean, I I've always, always fished, um, since I was a kid, always loved to fish. Um, I had an uncle in Canada actually, and I'm, I live here in San Diego and, um, I had an uncle in Canada that I would go visit and he would take me fishing. And he really instilled my love for fishing. My father couldn't care less about fishing. So, I mean, there was no connection there, but I would get my mom to take me fishing. She'd drop me off with a rubber raft when I was a kid down on San Diego Bay and I'd go fishing. So mm -hmm. I always had a, a, a love of fishing and a real strong love of the ocean. Uh, being again here in San Diego, I was a surfer my whole life. Um, 
and we used to paddle out. I mean, just to the relation to the kayaks, I mean, and the self propelled and all that. And we would paddle out on our longboards when there was no surf mm-hmm. with a backpack and a fishing rod in the backpack and paddle out and go fish the kelp beds off our surfboards. Oh, wow. So fun. that was kind of my always doing that sort of thing. Uh, we'd go down to Baja on surf trips and always bring our fishing rods and the same thing. If there's no surf, we're paddling out and fishing off the surfboards. So it kind of started that. And then um, I was lucky enough to uh, meet my father-in-law or future father-in-law at the time, mm-hmm. who was a kayaker, uh, loved paddling, um, touring boats. And so uh, I was introduced to paddling and again, loving the ocean and getting in these boats that were so fast, you know, 18, 20 foot long touring boats uh, and really learning how to paddle. Um, I got this love of paddling and, but I always still had that fishing thing. And and the thing is the touring boats really were not great for fishing, uh, not really conducive. So um, when the first rotomolded boats came out and I first saw the very first ocean kayak scuppers, Mm-hmm. And then the scupper pros, you know, um, back then it was just like, okay, that makes sense. Right. And, uh, it kind of changed my life. I became an addict and there was nobody else. I, I can't say there was nobody cause there was a few guys. Uh, but I mean, it was a very, very small community back then of kayak anglers, you know, and, um, you, if you went out on a kayak and you saw somebody else on a kayak, you knew them. You know, it's just, you knew them. There was no, there's no doubt about it. Um, it was very rare that you saw a new guy. And then the thing was, is, you know, this whole thing snowballed for me was I loved sharing it. I loved talking about it, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, that was it. I, I would, I would get off the water and then I'd spend another hour on the beach talking to people because people care. back then, I mean, literally, because I was only fishing offshore, right? That there, that's all I did. Um, I started offshore in a kayak and that's all I ever did. So people would see us coming in with, you know, good size fish and nobody else was kayak fishing. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are nuts. You guys, oh, are the, they you still guys say the, that though. You guys are the crazy guys out there on the kayaks and tell me about it. And, um, so I was just, I love talking about it. Love talking about it. And I, I had an extra kayak. And so I take friends and my buddy um, was like, dude, you love talking about this so much. You should try and do something with it. And um, I started, uh, started a little guide service back in 94, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's about when I, when I started guiding. And uh, I started making rod holders because there was no companies making rod holders. Uh, there was nobody or, making nothing back then. Not making anything. Uh, and then I started making mm-hmm. custom bait tanks because we're a very live bait fishery here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started making custom live bait tanks and I was making all these other accessories. Um, I was making um, game bags. And this is well before anybody, any of this stuff was out there. Oh, yeah. Way before. And, um, yeah. So, was, and, and then I was rigging people's boats for them. You know, it's, I was never selling boats. I was never in the business of selling boats, but I became kind of uh, working with a local kayak shop 
And so he would send me business and I would help him. And it just became a, a good relationship back then. And, and the, the tinkering it, with the, with the boats back when the boats were first coming out before all the accessories and everything was really around. I mean, that was oddly satisfying. Super fun. Super oh, fun. And, and, and it's like, and it's so funny now I talk to people and it's like, God, I hate to you know, drill a hole in a kayak. I'm like, Really? Where's my drill? Because I'm going to punch <laughs> some holes in this freaking kayak right now. Because <laughs> you got so comfortable doing it. It's like, and if I if I make a mistake, it's no big deal. We can fix it. It's like, yeah. but I was like I said, I was I was rigging people's boat and everything. Of course, PVC. You know, oh. you're making everything out of PVC. Trips to the hardware store over and over and over. Yeah, it was and like forty fives and nineties, and just figuring out how everything would glue together. Right. Right. And how, how are you going to attach this to the kayak? Yep. And I mean, it was just, it, it was so much fun. Like you said, just tinkering and, and figuring it out. And then the electronics, mm-hmm. um, taking, you know, back then, I, the really the only fish finder that was really available at that time that made sense for the kayaks was the hummingbirds. Yep. The Cause little. they had the small portables, little guys, and um, mm-hmm. they had the, was it the wide 100? I think before that they had the, it may have just had fish finder on it for all I remember, you know? Yeah. I've seen those. Yep. And uh, I actually found like six old fish finders in my garage. I just went through a full garage clear out and I found all a progression of all these old fish finders to the piranhas and all that. And uh, what became a favorite of mine was actually was there was a housing that Humminbird was making for a, for a, ice fishing uh, a portable unit that they would make for ice fishing and they actually called it a portable because it came with a suction cup right for the transducer and you'd stick that on the and it worked great and then you start to go well you know it would work great really well as if we went up through the scupper hole and i kind of devised a way to do that and like you said it was just fun tick tinker it, figuring it, it out really always was. figuring out a way that worked and it, it kind of is still fun. I mean, even when the new boats come in, I've kind of regressed or regressed back to like, I cut all my bungees off and just put my own color of bungees on them now. Just, just because like when the bike came right. in, it was like, you know, let's have some fun. Right. But, but I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Companies yak like great. Yak Attack. <laughs> my God. They've made it so easy. Yep. They have made it so easy and such great products. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I enjoy doing that stuff, but when I can just go, okay, Yakadak has a solution for that. Yakadak has a solution for that. Yakadak oh. has a solution for that. It's made it so easy. Everything from camera booms to just stuff to hold stuff. Right. I mean, <laughs> you can literally take anything you want with you and Yakadak or some of the other companies probably has something to hold it. Yeah, yeah, no, they've, they've, like I said, they've made it so easy, you know, from the old coolers on the back, because that's what I used to use. I had a cooler on the back and then started uh, making these bait tanks and using coolers and then making fiberglass ones and all that. And then, uh, of course, everybody says the milk crate. Funny enough, I have never had a milk crate in the back of my kayak ever. And everybody thinks that's like the beginning. For me, it never was. I never liked no. the milk crate. <laughs> um, I always had, I always would, my wife would joke with me because whenever we were on any kind of a shopping trip, 
-hmm. whether it was going through Costco or a sporting goods store or anywhere, I was always on the hunt for the perfect container. Yeah. The perfect container that would fit in the back. And back then again, of course, the, again, for a scupper pro tank well. Right. You know, what was going to, and it was because it was a kind of a different shape and long and narrow and getting something that would fit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, honey, we have 20 coolers at home that you have tried. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this still one searching better. for the, per still trying to find the perfect one. I remember my <laughs> first crate. It was a, it was a toolbox, a, like a small toolbox. It's probably about the size of an Orion 25. And it, just found it at Walmart walking aisles. And I was like, I think that'll fit. Come home, drilled some attachment yeah. points and off we went. Dude, great, great. And, and I, I started traveling a lot. Um, I started guiding down to Southern Baja and um, then it was like, okay, well, what do I need to make it easier on a travel type trip? Mm -hmm. Well, you never know what you're going to get in a kayak seat. And of no. course these were the old, you know, clip-ins uh so you never so okay well i don't know what i'm gonna have in the way of a seat and i don't know what i'm gonna have in the way of rod holders mm -hmm. on a rental kayak at some destination so I, okay let's make a seat that has rod holders attached <laughs> and 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 we did that and um then it's like okay well i'd really love to have a live bait tank down here in baja mm -hmm. but how do i travel with something like that and so I started making these, making the, um, out of a soft cooler mm -hmm. and, you know, and then we're talking a full circulating, not, not an aerator, a full circulating water in water out, uh, live bait tank and figuring out a way that would sturdy enough that would hold, you know, six gallons of water or more. And, um, so like I said, we started tweaking with that and then I started having those manufactured. And yep. so I was making these portable bait tanks. And, and selling them to people. And um, then I teamed up with actually with Shimano. And because I kind of ran out of steam on being able to do this because the company that was going to make them for me said, okay, we've made you, a, you know, a hundred of them now. Now, if you want to buy them, you need to buy a container full. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, this sport is not mature enough to support. If I bought a container full of those bait tanks still be you know, 20 them. years ago, I'd still have them. <laughs> so it's like, okay, no. But then Shimano approached me and asked me to work with them on one. So then Shimano actually made a portable bait tank. Uh, and it was really cool uh, working with Shimano on that many, many years ago. Wow. Now, from that point, you kind of moved towards the kayak fishing show. How did, <laughs> how did, how did the show start? What's, what's the show look like in its infancy? Well, I mean, there was this whole um, transition, if you will, in my life anyway. Um, I was a truck driver. I were, you know, my guiding business was a sideline mm -hmm. and uh, I worked for Pepsi-Cola and had a back injury, which if anybody has ever watched any of my shows or any of my live shows and stuff, I'm always complaining about my back. I mean, my back is still erect to this day. Uh, but I couldn't go back to, to that job. And so started guiding more, more full time. And so that way I could work for myself, work when I could. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I was becoming more close with sponsor companies. Uh, right. Ocean Kayak specifically. Uh, 
uh, back then. And I would go to trade shows with them. And during one of my guided trips down into Mexico, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit here, but one of my guided trips down to Mexico, a client shows up and he's all, he goes, Jim, I'm not really here to fish. I want to videotape what you're doing. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Because I would always have a support boat with us. Right. Because you're, you're fishing down in Baja, you know, somebody might hook a marlin that's going to drag them 10 miles offshore. And we had that happen many times. So I always had a support <laughs> boat. He goes, I just want to be on the boat and videotape what's going on. And I'm like, well, that's cool. And then he showed me the finished product. I'm like, this is awesome. So I bought myself a camera, started mm -hmm. filming the trips with clients, um, started doing little tip videos. Um, I have a pretty high reaching one way back when it was <laughs> the waiters of death. Um, and so I was doing that. So anyway, so I, I had all this stuff and this was like way, way back, you know, way before Facebook, I barely had a, you're out there with uh, the VHS website. tape. Yeah. Mini DVs. <laughs> Mini and, DVDs. And I was going to trade shows for Ocean Kayak and I met Ken Whiting, mm -hmm. who is the owner of Heliconia Press. Back right. then it was Heliconia Press. Now it's just Heliconia. And I pitched an idea to him about my kind of thought of doing a show. I don't know if anybody remembers Warren Miller films. Um, I, I, I was an avid skier as well. And Warren Miller would make these ski films and they were super cool. Um, it was just cool people going to cool places with some really good music in the background, you know, and it was just, all, it was just fun. It wasn't hardcore about the skiing. It was about the location and it was about the people. And I'm like, I want to make a fishing show like that. And Ken's like, I, I don't know the first thing about doing TV shows, but what I do know is making DVDs. Right. So he goes, let's make a DVD. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I had this conversation with him at a trade show. Now I've pitched this idea to anybody I knew or I ever met that had anything to do with video production. Mm -hmm. And everybody says, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And then they blow you off. Oh, yeah. A few weeks later, then that call doesn't come back. Yeah. So I, I was expecting the um, the same blow off. And I, I think it was about a month later, I got a call from Ken. He goes, I'm setting up a trip to Florida. We're going to do a DVD because let's do it. And, you know, along the ideas of what you're thinking. And so we, we did. We made this DVD called uh, Kayak Fishing game on and we went to florida alaska um baja mm -hmm. and the chesapeake bay i think those were the ones oh, that wow. were on the on the dvd it's a big circle yeah and it was super cool the very first trip people want to know why i'm not a fan of florida very first trip like <laughs> every other trip i've ever had to florida <laughs> the weather was lousy and the fishing was worse and I, and I know, I know Florida has amazing fishing. And that I've was the been... day Jameson Redding was conceived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have had the worst luck in Florida of any place I've ever been. But 
our next shoot was Baja and we got two Marlin. And I mean, it, it was amazing. We actually sat through a hurricane. Oh, wow. But we got two Marlin on the very first day. <laughs> so it's like, woohoo. Um, yes. And then after that, we went to Alaska and had an amazing, amazing trip in Alaska. And just everything about it was cool. And so the video came out great. And like I said, it had fun music and, and great people. And um, we're like, well, let's do this again. So we were right in the process of making um, Game On 2. And we were contacted by the World Fishing Network, which was in its infancy at the time. And they needed content. Mm-hmm. And they're like, excuse me, could you guys maybe uh, turn this video into a TV show? <laughs> and like, and Ken's like, I don't know anything about making TV. And they're like, we will teach you. We need, we need content. And there was also this thing that WFN back then was mm-hmm. owned by a Canadian company or it wow. was a Canadian company and Canada has Canadian content laws. Yes. So they, do. they have to show a certain amount of content that is made by Canadians. Now I'm from San Diego. Ken's from Canada. <laughs> so because the production company was in Canada, they pulled us in and, and helped and unlike the normal, what you call an air buy. And this is if people don't understand these, nobody is getting paid to be on TV. Okay. No, um, it's, it's a lot of work. You, you buy the airtime from the network and then you sell the sponsorships and hopefully you sell enough to make the show or, and maybe make a little bit of money. I mean, like I said, nobody's getting rich on the TV side of things at all it picked it out now back in the old days when the networks owned the tv shows it was a different story but by the time we got into this like i said it was this whole air buy well because they needed canadian content we got we didn't have to they weren't paying us to make the show but they didn't um charge us to make the show either to buy the airtime <laughs> initially now as the years went on i was on the air for 13 years so as the show went on, then things changed. And right. of course we went to other networks as well. But um, so that's how the whole thing kind of turned into this. Sorry, something popped up in the middle of my screen. Uh, it turned into this whole um, change of real change of life for me. And, you know, I traveled the world Um met a lot of amazing thing people and did some amazing things. And, you know, people ask me what like the best part of, of what I have done. You know, I mean, I've made some amazing catches. Uh, I've been to some great places, but I mean, it's, it's the people I have met while doing this. Um, I've got friends. I literally have friends around the world, you know, that I Mm -hmm. regularly uh, have contact with. I actually have, a friend that I met on a trip in Sweden, who's from Germany, whose daughter is coming to stay at my house this week. That's awesome. Because she had some classes. She had to come in for a week of classes and he contacted me and said, Hey, can my daughter come and stay with you? I'm like, of course. And I've been on, I went to a trip to um, Thailand with friends. I met from Sweden. I, you know, I've, I've been all over with people and of course, not only the people around the globe, but then, you know, 
the great people I've met through the companies I've worked with, you know, yep. all the people at Jackson Kayak. Um, I mean, I was with Ocean Kayak for a long time mm-hmm. and I have some great memories and great relationships there. And then when I moved over to Jackson Kayak, it couldn't have been better. I mean, because everybody there was paddlers mm-hmm. and they were so welcoming and to be able to work with everybody over there was, was so amazing. And I can, I mean, I consider these weren't just people I worked with. I mean, I've got friends yeah, that I get to that, know everybody life, lifelong friends, you know, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, now, yeah, and that is one thing. I mean, in my experience in working with Jackson Kayak, it, it is. It's like you come in and you just you, everything just keeps growing and evolving, and you keep meeting new people. You know this this thing right here in the Doc Talk is you know allowed me to talk to you. I mean, who I'm in Indiana, you're in California. The chances of us running into each other at you know Steak and Shake are slim to none. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it uh, it encourages opportunity to get out there and meet new people. Well, and, and we were kind of talking about that before the show started. It's like, you know, the, the yearly trade shows, Yep. you know, that back then before how easy it is now with the internet and, you know, things like uh StreamYard here that we're yep. using um, back then, it's like you only saw these people once a year mm-hmm. and that was kind of your connection with people. So it was, it was always great to go to the trade shows. Now it's like, it's so easy to jump on here. It's like, yeah, you have face to face with anybody in the world in two seconds. Right. It's actually funny. I, I remember I was in um, my first trip to New Zealand, another awesome country. If you guys have a chance to go to New Zealand, it's awesome. And some great people. I actually have a friend from New Zealand who's going to be here in two weeks. Um, but I was there the very first time. And this was back when... I would go on a trip and my, I would tell my wife, it's like, well, I'll see you when I get back. Yeah. Because it was so expensive to make a long distance phone call. <laughs> you know, we didn't have Skype or anything like that. I mean, I would do my guided trips down in Baja and I'd be down there for two weeks and I wouldn't talk to my wife because it was like $5 a minute to make a phone call. Yep. And you had to always had to run, worry about running out of minutes. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm in, I'm in New Zealand. And somebody goes, oh, there's this new thing, Skype. You should try it. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. It was it was a big, a big change for us. And it really gave me the ability to continue doing what I was doing. Yeah. So because my wife was feeling like, you know, I don't like this, you being gone. Because we had, you know, kids. And I don't like this, you being gone and having zero contact and all that. And now it's like every night I get off the water, I ping her. And it's like, hey, babe, we're off the water for the day. You know, and it's, there's not this, oh my God, what's the long distance charge? <laughs> Can I make this collect? 1-800-COLLECT. Remember all the commercials back in the day? That was like a big thing. And then it's like, boom, first Nokia cell phone. <laughs> Gosh, Jim, you're making me feel old. <laughs> it's a sad time. Now, you moved to Jackson, the birth of the Kraken. We Rudy... Yarworth was asking, he wants to hear more about how the Kraken came to be. So, let's Rudy, and I know you're saying how you designed the Kraken. I'm not that guy. I would never claim that. 
Okay. I've had a lot of input on designs of boats and I can go back to the first ocean kayak boats that they were making as fishing boats. Uh, the Prowler, I had a lot of input on the design of that boat. On the Trident, I had even more to input, but I never designed a boat in my life. I've never designed one and I never want to make that claim. Tony Lee designed the Kraken. Yep. But what, what happened there is Tony Lee took the input that I gave him, which, and I still won't say I gave, it wasn't all mine. Um, I consulted with all my offshore friends and we bounced ideas off, off each other. And then I took that to Tony Lee and then Tony Lee and I butted heads on stuff, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a collaboration, but I, I came to him with ideas and he made them work. Yes. He is the designer hundred percent. And I never want to take credit for designing the boat uh, because that's, I didn't do it. I'd never, you know, I wasn't on CAD. I wasn't, I didn't have a planer in my hand. I never did that. And I know guys who have claimed to design boats in the past. And it's like, no, all you got to do is add one extra word. Say I helped. Yeah, I helped design it. And, and I'll be happy to say I helped design the Kraken. Now, where did that come from? It came from um, wanting a big water boat that um, could handle surf. Because some big water boats don't handle surf. And we are launching and landing through the surf zone here. Mm -hmm. That I could get my rods down inside the hull. That I could put a game bag down inside the hull. And um, get those fish down on ice. Um, I wanted to get my butt off the floor of the boat. <laughs> you yeah. know, which was the ocean kayak boats. Um, and... Again, being, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, my introduction to paddle sports was being in an 18 foot glass boat. Uh -huh. These boats glide. I mean, you, you, you put a paddle in your hand. You literally, the whole idea of paddling when you're in that kind of a boat is you actually put the paddle in the water and you pull yourself past it. It's not dragging the paddle through the water. So any way you can get even close to to that um having a good paddling boat was always key to me and tony did an amazing job for boats that honestly was much more stable than i wanted it to be um because i used to I, I would joke around it's like if these guys are gonna are standing up in this boat it's too stable i don't want it that stable let's trim more off of it and then these suckers who um, <laughs> spend a lot more time standing up than I do are jumping up and standing up in it. So it still had amazing stability, mm -hmm. but had great paddle ability and it handled the surf really, really well. So it, it's sad that it was such a short lived um, project, um, but it was kind of the way the market was going and I totally get it. Everybody thinks they need pedals and everybody thinks they need a barge. Everybody thinks they need a boat that's super duper stable that you can stand in. Yeah. And when you're fishing offshore and you're doing mostly paddling all day and trolling, you don't need to stand, <laughs> you know? No. So, but that's the way the market went. And if the boats aren't selling, they gotta, they gotta move on. And I understand that, you know? 
But it's taken it's the Kraken just like the OG Kusa and the Kuda and some of the other boats that have come to pass the big rig. Let's just let's just be honest, all of them have almost like had this legend about them as they come in and exit the production line. It's like there's still faithful users and you still see them out there talking about all the OG boats and the Kraken is one of them. I see Chris Funk is saying, not this, everyone. I still paddle. <laughs> <laughs> he is a paddle. He's a legend too. Oh, he just uh, don't know. One, it of, one of the funnest, funnest guys to fish with ever. Cause you just laugh the whole time. Um, it doesn't matter what the fishing's like. Uh, it's just, you have a, a great time. Yeah. I mean, I love the Kraken. I still have, Four of them. I have uh, I have two of the thirteen fives and two of the fifteen fives. Um, now, which is it? Which one's the best one? Uh, in my opinion, yeah, thirteen five or fifteen five, hands down. Fifteen. Um, there you have. It. I like long boats. Now, you get, again, remember, I came from long touring boats. Mm -hmm. uh, the Scupper Pro was fourteen feet nine inches, and I always said, "Let's make." And when we made Again, working with Ocean Kayak, when we made the Prowler, uh, the Prowler was right around 15 feet and the Trident was a little bit more. So I always liked long boats. And when I get into a 13 foot boat, to me, it feels really short. I can imagine. I mean, it feels really short. And people are like, well, why? You know, why would you prefer a longer boat? Yeah, you don't have the maneuverability. But again, offshore. I don't need maneuverability. I need to go straight. I need it to glide. And the difference that happens when you, you chop two feet, and that's a fair amount. You mm -hmm. chop two feet of boat of waterline off the boat. Well, you're out there in any kind of a short interval chop. Well, now the boat is doing this where if that short interval chop, you add two feet to your boat. Now, the boat stays on top of that stays on top and instead of slowing down each time it stays on top and continues to glide it would be like running a big boat for example you stay on plane yeah yeah exactly and uh, and what i always say and, and and again i i i i love them all dude I, I mean i've got my my pedal boats although i don't do haven't used it much because i haven't fished hardly at all honestly the last year um, my back and I had shoulder surgery and I've just been a wreck. I'm just now getting to the point where I'm ready to get back on the water. But, um, I mean, I like the pedal boats. They have their purpose. I love my Torquedo. I mean, I put the Torquedo and I love my, uh, blue sky and yep, put the Torquedo the on the sky. blue sky. I love that thing. That thing is so much fun to fish off of. But I always say it's like the, the thing that peddlers will never experience that paddlers do and that's glide and that's yeah. that silent glide through the water the only sound is the water dripping off your blade if you mm -hmm. are if you're a good paddler you know and and that's it. if you're going to be a paddler by all means take a paddling course learn how to paddle properly because that makes a huge difference and invest in a good paddle you know i use a warner callista it's a foam core blade you know it's a 500 dollars paddle but it's your motor, you know, yeah. I always say, would you rather have a Porsche motor or a Volkswagen motor? You know, it's like, I want the best paddle if, as I can get. 
if I'm going to be a paddler and I'm going to have that in my hand all day. But and then you get in and if you have a nice a glassy day. And you can just move that boat without a sound and the boat and you pick up the paddle and it just continues to glide. Mm -hmm. You can just slide up on things, which you just don't get with a pedal boat. You know, so like I said, they all have their purpose. You, when we say a different tool for a different job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like I I love that part of paddling. I, I find that even as I've moved to pedal boats more. I still use my paddle a lot. Like if I get X amount of distance away from where I know that I'm going, it's like. I pick up my paddle as I approach the area and just start paddling in rather than, you know, running up to it with my pedals. I mean, you see things, especially with this live imaging, um, been out on a boat a few times and you can almost watch as that trolling motor gets closer to those fish. You can just watch them go and sit down on the bottom and they know, I mean, they know exactly what's coming and you know, I've taken that and, I pick up the paddle because I know that if I can move in just a little bit quieter, that makes a big difference. Oh, it, it, it really does. I mean, I've told people so many stories about interactions and, and that's the thing about being offshore it, It's And again, it's not just about the fishing. It's so much about just being out there and the interactions I've had with sea life um, because I am just silent. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just sliding right over and next to whales. Um we, we have a real uh, sea lion issue here. Uh, we have tons of sea lions. They steal your bait. They steal your fish. But we also have a lot of seals, and there is a difference. But the seals will wrap themselves up in the kelp and fall asleep. And so you'll be out in the kelp beds, and you'll see a seal's head up above, and it'll be laying like this. But so you can paddle right up to them. And I've literally like come up and nudge them with the nose of my kayak and wake them up. And then they just blow up. So kind of being mean waking them up. But I mean, it's just that that interaction that you get with sea life in a kayak. And particularly, in my opinion, in a paddling boat, that is like no other. And, and it's such the appeal of being out on the ocean and uh, being out there in a and a little tiny boat. I, I think even like just just around the lake, even, you know, obviously fish will come in, just pretty much run into the boat. Um, but just what's around the bank. I mean, deer, different things. On oh, the right, bank right. That, I mean, they don't even know you're there a lot of times. It's like they're surprised to see you as you are them when you look up and catch that first glimpse. I mean, you can just about get up to something and touch it a lot of times. Yeah. And that's one thing I like say, and not to bash anyone, one company or anything, but just my personal experience, I always hear people in Hobies and they're so loud because I don't know if it's something the way they, if it's hitting the bottom of the boat or just yeah. the, the mechanism, but it's like clunk, 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 clunk. clunk. It's like, clunk. yeah. Um, and again, maybe it's because there's a lot of newer guys in them and they're not using it as efficiently. I, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in a Hobie. So, but like I said, it's just that that whole silence, and you where you just hear nothing um, other than that glide of your boat. And I'm not gonna lie, there's some paddling boats that are noisy as heck. Um, I, I, I love Jackson kayaks. The Cuda 
14, unless I, if I had somebody who wasn't heavy enough in it, Mm because I would use those in my guide business when I first switched over. If I had somebody who wasn't heavy enough in that boat, it was very noisy because the, the, the scuppers were so big and so loud. If I got somebody hit, like if I was in the boat, it wasn't an issue because it got them more down into the water. And so it wasn't catching water in them. But I'd paddle next to a client who maybe wasn't big and wasn't carrying all the gear I was. And you could just hear it's like glug, 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 glug. And you could hear the water <laughs> glugging in the scuppers. Yeah. So and those, I mean, there, there's noisy boats out there. Those older boats like that too. I mean, they had a more bulbous shape to them. And they, they yeah. really set up a lot higher than a lot of the newer boats do. I mean, you look at the the Cuda, like you said, um, the big rig set up high, but it was four feet wide. Um, <laughs> and then what was the Cusa's always set up high, but that was kind of the Cusa thing and everything kind of followed the Cusa out the door. Um, but yeah, the cruise, the cruise set up really high and the big two. Yeah. One of my favorite boats from Jackson, you know, in the paddling realm was the Liska. Absolutely. Uh, that thing it happens every great. show. It was nimble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris, um, who are you calling bulbous? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that, that Lisco was, was light and lively. It, it paddled well for the, the type of boat it was. Um, the bite does pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're decent. Really it just, they all feel, I, I got, I was in a, we did a shoot in Florida and I had the bite FD that boat just felt tiny to me. I can imagine if being in a 14, 15 foot boat that the bite at 11 feet, some odd inches would feel very small. Yeah. Just, you're just used to having so much bow and, mm-hmm. and, and stern, but uh, like I said, they, they, they certainly have their place and um, we caught a lot of fish off that bite, uh, freshwater and salt. So uh, it was actually, when I first got on it, it felt really small. And then as the, um, the week of shooting and fishing progressed, it showed itself as a very, very capable boat. You know, when you, when you jump into a short boat like that, it feels kind of weird to you. But then after spending a weekend, it's like, this that's a very capable little craft. It, it is. It did really well. I liked it. I tell you what, it was something that, you know, I, I like the Liska. I love the Liska. I still have, I'm collecting my Liskas like you collect Krakens. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they're probably not going nowhere. Uh, but yeah, the Bite, man. I spent a good summer in the Bite FD and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was sporty. I just had a good time. Yeah. I had the uh, the pleasure, and I see um, Curtis is saying he loves his Liska. I had the pleasure of fishing with Jan Liska, uh, visiting him a couple of times, and yeah. then unfortunately having to go to uh, his memorial kayak fishing tournament after he passed away. So uh, let's kind of go into that, kind of, because a lot of people don't know, and I'm going to kind of let you tell the story about how that boat got named and about Jan. Lon, Lon, Jan, <laughs> Jan was a kind of almost a larger than life guy. Um, you know, he was, I would say six foot four, tons of energy. Um, 
and I met him while I had gone over to Sweden. And he was he be, he had become the head of the Jackson Kayak Europe team, and he he was everybody loved him. He was just such a, a gregarious guy. Like I said, he was kind of larger than life. And we um, we actually went to this Viking thing where they they had fighting and all that. And they're like, does anybody would anybody like to get up here and join in in the demonstration of viking fighting he was he's like yep <laughs> and he gets up they give him a, a shield and a sword and a helmet and he proceeds to beat the tar out of the other guy and he's just got the biggest smile on his face he's having so much fun he doesn't realize that he's kind of going a little overboard <laughs> but just because he just was so excited about everything and then you'd go fish with him. And it was just like, it just so, so much fun. Um, and like I said, I, I fished with him on two trips to uh, Sweden. And because he was so well-liked, um, people just gravitated to him. And he was also, when he, during the winter months, he was an avid skier. Uh-huh. And... Um, young man I, I i don't remember how old jan was when he passed but i mean no, 20s either. he was in his 20s and um unfortunately he got caught in an avalanche and um so the wonderful thing because the wonderful thing about jackson kayak they knew what an impact he had on that team of jackson kayak europe um when the next boat came out and he is, he was all about introducing people to the sport and he wanted a boat that was a good introductory type of boat, which I think the, the Lisco was more than that. No, absolutely. But he wanted that kind of boat. So when the, that boat was coming out and it was right in the time that he had passed, um, somebody suggested that to name it the Lisca. And Jackson didn't question it at all. They're no, like, it was unanimous. Yep. It's like, yep, we are doing that. And um, so, yeah, as I became the Liska, like I said, my wife and I actually traveled back to Sweden after he had passed for the first Jan Liska Memorial Kayak Fishing Tournament. Uh, I may be going to it again this year. Um, and uh, a huge, huge gathering of people. And it, it was absolutely amazing. Um, another place that if you have the chance to go to Sweden, the people are just fantastic. And uh, I, I truly enjoyed my time there. And the whole the whole Jackson Kayak European team. Um, awesome. I mean, we were there with guys from Germany and Sweden and um, the Czech Republic. I mean, it's just it, it was amazing. Amazing time and uh, just great people. And like I said, it turned out to be a, a fantastic boat. Which, like I said, I really liked that boat. Oh, yeah. And it's it's amazing. Like, every time we have this show or the Doc Talk show, like, the Liska comes up. It doesn't matter. Every time that we're on Doc Talk, the Liska makes its way. Is that know, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's like its own phenomenon at this point. So, for those of you that didn't know the, the story on how the Liska came to be or where the Liska name came from, um, that is it. 
Yeah, and, and named like after said, pretty good it, dude. It was, it was so well deserving to have that boat named boat named after him because he was that kind of guy, and, and it was well deserving. Now, as we move on here, Jim, what's next? I mean, you you're you're about ready to go back out. Fishing uh, well, is, fishing is ahead. Yeah, um, and that's what I've honestly. I mean, as I get iCast and and having meetings with, and that was the same question. It's like, well, what's ahead? And I honestly had to tell every one of my sponsors, like, and luckily they were all still behind me, but they're like, I had to tell them, I, I do not know because COVID screwed me. I mean, it kind of oh, yeah. got put an end to my show initially because of all the travel. And then um, I parted ways with Heliconia. Um, just, we had a great run. They were great people, but it, we had reached an end. Um, and I still love those guys. But, um, again, back, back surgery this year or shoulder surgery, my fifth. Um, and I had back surgery years ago, but I've had four injections in my spine this year. So finally this last one feels like it took. So, um, (laughs) I'm hoping, hoping to get back on the water and get back to, I don't know that I'll be ever be on TV again. Um, I would love to, if some producer wants to step up, uh, or help me figure out how to self-produce, um, I will definitely be back on the World Wide web. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I've committed to myself because I used to do twice a week live shows mm-hmm. and honestly, I mean, just being in, I got in a funk with not being able to fish. I mean, it's hard to talk about fishing. Oh, I can imagine and what's going on when you can't even get out and do it yourself. So I got in a funk and I just stopped doing my live shows for the remainder of last year. And um, then the beginning of this year, just haven't had a chance yet. But by February, maybe sooner, I am going to get back to doing my live shows again and airing old episodes of the TV show with live commentary because there's a couple seasons I still haven't aired yet. And um, getting back to doing more instructional d- videos that I used to do and all the um, all the fun stuff. And hopefully that'll lead to me getting back on the road and doing some traveling and shooting. Uh, Jameson and I have talked about uh, maybe him getting out here and at least me. me he's been on my he was on my show so many times. Mate, he's got he, he owes me to be on his show at least once. There you go. So hopefully that all comes together. And Maybe it's time for a podcast, dude. Yeah. I could see you being like a heck of a fishing podcast guy. Well, I used to my live shows. I would uh, repurpose as a podcast, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was a repurpose. It wasn't like. Right. It wasn't, a, wasn't exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it, it's. You- I, I so enjoy it. And I so enjoy talking about it. Obviously I haven't shut up for an hour here. So no, that's what I'm saying. It's time. It's like the Jim Salmon's worldwide fishing podcast. I, I, I had some ideas for another TV show, honestly, um, that uh, would involve more than kayak fishing <clears throat> because I, I am more than kayak fishing. I fly. fish. Oh, yeah. I, I've got a, I got a 22 foot pilot house sitting outside uh, which I love to spend time in offshore. Um, so more types of fishing. So that there is that 
is out there in the wind and it's got a name and it's got, um, it's got the URL. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, whether it all comes together, it's all through the, the grace of my wonderful wife who has been, I mean, supportive of me doing this for, you know, since the mid nineties, <laughs> uh, you know, over, I don't know what year is it now. <laughs> so 23 or something like that. Yeah. Um, Years I mean, ago. And, and I was kayak fishing, you know, they said my wife and I've been married 35 years. And so I started way back then. And uh, thanks to her dad, who was like, someone who her dad's the one who got me in a kayak initially. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is didn't fish. Really? He just, he just loved to paddle. And it wasn't until I started doing the kayak fishing that then I would take him out kayak fishing and got him on his first rooster fish, got him on his first yellowtail. Uh, but his whole thing, like I said, he loved to paddle and gave me that love of paddling and the instruction on being a paddler. Now, here's, here's a question. Since my wife loves to paddle, does your wife love to paddle? Is she out there with you on a lot of days when you just head out for fun? not as much as she used to, but she does enjoy it. Um, she mm -hmm. does it. My wife, honestly, now that we have a nice pilot house boat, she Excellent. loves to, she loves to go out on the boat. Yeah, and I, yeah. we actually, we actually say, and it's not far from true. It's her boat. She just lets me drive it. <laughs> the kayaks are all mine. The boat is hers. There you go. But she loves, she absolutely loves to be out on the ocean. And uh, we, we spend a lot of, a lot of good times on the ocean in our boat together. Now talking about your next step, obviously you've seen a lot of evolution in the sport of fishing um, over these years and, and kayaks and graphs, like we was talking before the show. Uh, what are you most like when you look at, how things have changed. What are you most fascinated with as far as things you've seen change? Um, the best evolution. Yeah, well, you know, that's really hard. It's, I, I would say the, the best thing and a little bit of the worst thing <laughs> is, is that the companies have, because the sport has grown, each one of the companies has pushed the other one to make a better product. Um, you know, it, so the boats, the, the boats have gone from where we were taking a kayak and making it into a fishing boat, you know, to now they are from the ground up really designed to be mm -hmm. fishing boats, you know, the negative to me on that is that because the general populace wants the big, wide, super stable um, pedal drive boat, it, it's gone away from, and I don't hear the purity, I guess. Um, That's fair. Of, of the paddling boat. Um, yeah. And I mean, you can't even really find, uh, well, you can, there are some out there. You can still find some high end, paddling boats out there a buddy of mine just got a uh, carbon fiber one that's amazing um so it, it i've told this story a million times but you know like and i bring up the scupper pro a lot because i spent a lot of years in that boat i caught my first marlin in a scupper pro um 
back then, you know, 14 foot nine, about this wide. I don't think my ass would fit in it anymore. Um, the boat weighed 50 pounds. And because I had come from touring boats and we were around a lot of touring boat guys, they're like, yeah, it's a cool boat. It paddles well, but God, if it only weighed less, it's so heavy. So, <laughs> and let's face it, the, the, the boats have done um, nothing but gotten bigger and heavier. And, and that's the hard, and honestly, that's a hard part, hard thing for me yeah. now is just these boats have gotten so heavy. It's just dealing with them. I mean, I, there's no more throwing a boat on top. I might mean, scupper pro mm. I'd carry over my head, like mm. a longboard. You know, there's no more of that. There's no more throwing it up on top of the vehicle on top of my truck because I had a rack that was, you know, up here. No, you know, I'm so not sure. I the all my boats and, you know, it's like, <laughs> the, so NAR it, is I, I, the, the NAR is, is, is a heavy boat. Now, I mean, it granted it's, it's got all the features, mm. but I, again, I've been in this, um, I've been in this business long enough to know that the, the story hasn't changed. People are all are still saying, I want this and I want this and I want this and this and this and throw in this and this and this, and this, but can you make it lighter and <laughs> less expensive? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the guy at the boat show is still looking at it going, I turned that over. <laughs> right. Right. May as well buy a boat. <laughs> yep, I turned that over. I there ain't no way I hope me. What is what is Will saying? He Neither does not miss. Get handled six hours and. Oh. Uh, you're probably probably right, and that's why that was a big joy to me. Well, well, I'll tell you, and um, this is kind of an interesting story, and I don't know if we're running over here, but nope, so you're fine. I'm on a guided trip. I am guiding down in uh, Southern Baja. And my fleet of kayaks down there were mostly scupper pros. And then we had a few drifters, which were pretty wide um, for back then. <laughs> and I had this, uh, this lady come on the, the trip and she was awesome. And she was not small. I mean, in the posterior region. And she's like, I like the Scupper Pro. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, it's, I can sit in that boat all day. It's all comfortable. I, she goes, the day I used the drifter, I was dying. Hmm. And I, I figured it out, honestly, is... What happens, and, and this is what happened with me with when we went to the Prowlers and the Tridents, the seats got wider and wider and wider and flatter. Where the old Scupper Pro was narrow and it was contoured. And it actually, you would sit down and, and it would kind of cradle your butt, you know, and it would give you that support. Where that's what was happening with her. She would get in there and she wasn't actually touching the bottom. <laughs> it was catching her on the sides and giving her support. And it felt more comfortable. Hmm. And that's I could nice. fit, I could sit back then in a Scupper Pro 12 hours. Never think twice about it. 
when the Prowler came out, it was so much wider and flatter. I, I went to like six hours and all of a sudden it's like, God dang, I am hurting. And so I made myself, <coughs> excuse me, I took a seat from a wreck boat that was thick foam and contoured and it filled up that space. And I put that into my um, prowler and it gave me that support and felt so much better. Now, the downside, of course, you were still down in the boat and they were wet. And so you, you got swamp butt. Um, but comfort wise, for me, the old Scupper Pro was as comfortable as I've ever been in a boat. Um, and then jump forward to now these beach chair styles. Oh, yeah. They're not the Scupper Pro. They're not, to me, as comfortable as a Scupper Pro. But they're a million times better than sitting on the floor of the kayak like we did with the Prowlers and the Tridents. You know, to me, they're much more comfortable. And you get air circulating and uh, just you're dry. So it's like once I sat in, in the beach chair style, um, I'm like, well, I'm never going back to the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you know came home dry for the first yeah time. yeah you, you weren't you weren't soggy and because you were up a little bit higher uh it was a little bit more comfortable on my lower back that's why i love the the blue sky um, oh yeah because it's as far it's the blue sky was the first pedal boat that i ever could pedal and not die Something about pedal boats is seated position. Your feet were too high yeah. and the ergonomics were not correct. You end up slouching a bit. So yeah, with the, with the blue sky, since you're pedaling down for me, it was more ergonomically correct. Now I know with the NAR, it's up a little bit higher. I feel like the ergonomics are much, much better mm -hmm. than some of the, the, the initial ones. And um, boy, what a great drive that Mark four is. I mean, that thing, like I said, I'm not I'm not a peddler, but what a great leap forward that was. Let's hear about your Ottawa for Whitewater experience. <laughs> what, what do you got here? The, the video is out there. Um, is so, it like a certain goose video? No, <laughs> no, because I didn't get millions of views and become famous <laughs> because I got attacked by a goose. Um, <clears throat> no, I was. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, let me take a quick sip of water. On the Ottawa River with Will as my videographer. Shout out, Will. With uh, Ken Whiting and Brendan Mark, the two head honchos at Heliconia, both former world champion whitewater kayakers. And um, they knew me. This is the first time I had done whitewater and we were going to fish the Ottawa River and you would run whitewater and then you'd fish and run whitewater. But we were doing it in sit on tops. Mm -hmm. And Ken had seen me, he'd seen my surf videos. He knew I could handle a boat in big water. Surf is very different than rivers. Um, the thing about surf, no matter how big it is, there's a break between waves. Right. Rivers never stop. <laughs> no. And the way the, the, the dynamics of a river are so different. The hydraulics. Uh, just water runs uphill. You know, who knew? It, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. So I learned a lot. But they um, took me to the Ottawa River uh, to one of the bigger rapids 
And 99 out of 100 times, somebody goes down there, they falls off their boat, they get flushed down the river. Well, Ken tells me, just follow me. I will lead you down this rapid. Okay, I'm nervous as heck because I've never done whitewater at all. And literally, the first whitewater I do is the big rapid. Oh, man. And Will can chime in and tell us what rapid it is. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but Ken starts leading me down. And we had watched raft after raft because raft tours come down. Full rafts go through. Okay, it's McCoy's. So we'd watch raft go through. And we watch these big-ass rafts get flipped. Sending everybody in the water. I'm like, okay. But again, they'd get flushed down the rapids. So Ken's all, hey, it's no problem. Just go for it. Well, just follow me. I'll take you on the perfect line. So go down, hit the very first big rapid, and I get knocked out of the boat. And I immediately, because I'm a comfort <laughs> Joe, Joe's hole, right? <laughs> So I immediately, I'm back in the kayak and I'm ready to go. I'm ready. And we're still going down the rapids. And Ken's like, well, he can handle that. No problem. So again, just, just follow me. And he points down river and you got to understand big rapids. It's loud. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a roar. And he, he points down river and says, go that way. Except he didn't say go that way. He said, don't go there. Oh, <laughs> so, my. And when you're following somebody down a river, it's not like you're following somebody on flat water. You're not kind of following because you're moving down river. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if you're going down, you feel like you're following them, but you're actually over here, not here. So anyway, so I follow him, but I'm back over here going where I thought he said, go this way. And I hit Joe's hole and it's well known for eating people. And unlike being in a whitewater boat where you're stuck in there, or unlike Ken, who is in a sit on top with thigh straps on, I'm on a sit on top, nothing holding me in other than my feet. So I hit the hole and I literally slid off the kayak and went straight off the bow. Oh, shoot. And then got recirculated through the hole. And if you understand how that water works, when it water goes over a rock, it pushes down and then comes back up. And because of this pressure, it's pulling this water back. So you get You were in the washing machine. It's, it's called being recirced. Now, the other big problem that happened here was, again, and this was early in our, this is only, I think, the um and will says the bubbles also remove the buoyancy yes and having the wrong pfd on also removes your buoyancy again this was early in the days and i would show up at a trip or show up at a long a location and we would use their gear whatever they had and i didn't bring my own pfd and so it's like here's a pfd and i'm i am pfd crazy. I mean, I tell everywhere PFDs, wear them tight, yada, 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 you know, wear them nice and snug. Well, I put on this other PFD. It doesn't fit me the way I'm used to. I didn't snug it down the way I normally did. So I'm not only getting recirculated, but the PFD is now up here. 
because it's getting floated up and it's over my face. And um, I can't get out. I mean, I'm just getting... It's scariest thing it is. I mean, I've been on the water a long time. I've dealt with a lot of marlin and sharks and everything. This was hands down the scariest thing that ever happened to me on a kayak. And thankfully, I blame Ken for sending me down there. But thankfully, Ken is also former world champion kayaker. And he has the skills to then paddle back up into the hole, side surf it. And try to drag me out. And as, yeah, we've all seen the cartoon where um, the the guy's going down. It's like the the hand of God, you know. Mm-hmm. And this blasting used their hand going down, and it, that's literally what it was. Wow. Now this whole thing probably took seconds, but in my head it took an hour. You know. Oh yeah. But Ken was ready. Was able to slide up in there, and he was set. He told me he was at the point where he was going to bash me in the head to keep from pulling him in. So we have, and that way, if I would relax enough, I'd probably just get flushed out. But luckily I was able to get up there, hold onto his boat. He side surfed it and was able to get me out. So he gets me out of the hole and I get down and we had, Will was actually videoing, but he was in a big rubber raft and Brendan was manning the raft. And so they were sitting down below where all this happened. So again, this video is out there on the, the kayak fishing shows uh, on kayak fishing tales on our YouTube channel. Um, but he gets me out. We get down below the hole and he just kind of drags me over to the raft. And so I get to the raft. I'm exhausted. I, I mean, I am hundred percent spent. The adrenaline has just rushed through my body and, and I go up there, Will's found it. <laughs> For those that are interested, there's a comment on the uh, Facebook feed. <laughs> with the link. Um, so I go up there and hang onto the side of the boat. And Brendan's like, you okay, man? And he's patting me on the back on the PFD and drags me up into the raft. Well, like I told you, all these tourist boats had come down and people had gotten dumped and flushed right on the shore, just inside of where they're dragging me up is a whole bunch of probably like high school girls who had fallen uh-huh. out of this raft and they're dragging me up and my pants are <laughs> down around my, and I'm just like, my butt is just right at them. I'm like, are my pants down there? Yep. <laughs> like, oh, awesome. <laughs> So that was my my brush with death on the Ottawa River. Um, I will never forget it. It was, many, like I said, I think it was our second year of shooting, Well, uh, maybe our third. Um, and I sucked it up, let my adrenaline calm down, and sat in the raft for a little bit, got back in my kayak and ran rapids the rest of the day and fished the rest of the day and had an amazing, amazing trip. But uh, I did almost die. That's the closest I've ever come to dying in a kayak. I feel like we ought to bring Will in. We need to do like another episode. We need to like do a doc talk, but like have Will here with you. And oh, that'd be great stories. because we, we have so many stories. We're doing it uh, together uh, because we spent so much time together. I mean, Will didn't shoot all of my show. I think all but the last two years, three years. So. We spent a lot of time together 
a lot of cars together, a lot of hotel rooms together. Um, and we would bicker. We knew how to push each other's buttons, but I love the guy and we had a, an absolute wonderful time. And he, he's one of my closest friends. And um, it, it's like I said, we, we definitely, uh, we were, we had our little bickering sessions, but we knew how to make each other work too. You know, it's like when he didn't want to work, I, I did when I didn't want to work because he would, you know, hey, we've got stuff we need to do. We have sponsor obligations, stuff that has to be done. Um, and so he would get on me and it's like, Jim, come on, you got to pick up the energy. It's like, dude, I've been in this kayak all day. I'm exhausted. Doesn't matter. We still have work to do. Come on, let's do this. We'll knock let's it out and we'll have some beers, you know. And um, so we worked well together. I, I think he got the best out of me. Um, and we had a, a lot of, of that. we had a lot of fun doing it. He definitely has a good habit and a good way to get the best out of people. And I will give you that a hundred percent. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, like I said, I, uh, I probably wouldn't have done it as long if it hadn't been he and I doing it together. Well, a future episode of doc talk when we can have a, uh, we'll have a panel and, uh, we'll bring it all in here together. Now with that being said, World traveled, world traveled. Your world traveled. Best beer. I've been to a lot of places. Best beer. Best beer. Where's the best beer? San Diego, California. San Ballast Diego. Point. Ballast Point Brewing Company. There you go. I'm, there you guys I'm have. Not it. gonna lie, <laughs> they 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 have my my hands down favorite beer. But with that said, I wouldn't pass up uh, a trip to Panama to go get uh, a beer there or. Uh, trip to um sweden to have a beer there <laughs> it's all the co- it's all the company you're drinking the beer with it is it is but you gotta ask i mean because there's somebody out there that wants to know like where is the best beer come from there's a lot of good beer in san diego i'm not gonna lie because we have a it, we have so many microbreweries i mean san diego was on the cutting edge of microbreweries so there's a lot of good ones um honestly when we were on trips, it was usually fish hard, fish hard, fish hard. Mm-hmm. And, but my wife would always ask, or and, and not only my wife, but other people always. It's like, what did you like about this place? I have no idea. I was on the water on the fishing. Water. I, I loved the location we were at. And I loved that lodge or whatever. But get beyond that a lot of times. And I wish I could have done more of the other stuff. But... Well, a lot we of times when there, you're filming, it's daylight to dark. Yeah, and we were working. And you turn a camera on, fish get lockjaw. You know, you turn a camera on, the wind goes sideways. If You know, um, and we have those trips where, oh, you know, we're going to be there two weeks. We're going to get two, three episodes. And you're lucky to get one. Um, and then you have the ones like the um, the Baja where we got wiped out by a hurricane, mm-hmm. but we had an easy episode the first day. You know, we got two <laughs> Marlin the first day. We yeah. we did a trip, speaking of Will, we did a trip to, and, and if, if you haven't had a chance to fish Canada, um, anywhere in Canada, there's so much water up there. It's an amazing, amazing places to fish up there. Uh, we were in the um, Northwest Territories, as I recall, and I get everything confused now. Um, and we were there for a week and it was all fishing for big northern pike and just 
massive pike. And the first day of fishing, you know, I said, we're fishing for seven days. First day of fishing, we caught a lot of fish. I mean, just a ridiculous number of fish. And there was three of us fishing. It was um, myself and Ken Whiting and that other guy. Um, Cause I can't remember. Um, so the second day is like, okay, well, you're on camera. You're, you're the camera guy. We want you to keep track. Actually keep track. It's easy to say, oh, I caught a hundred fish today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want you to count how many fish we caught today. We each caught over a hundred Northern pike. Wow. And, and big quality fish. So seven days of fishing. That's day two. I mean, how much footage do you need? Right. That's like halfway, halfway through the second day. Will's like, do not talk to me. Do not call me. Unless you have a 60 inch pike. I don't want to hear from you. I'm fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so he, We have seven days of fishing and he got to fish. <clears throat> a good portion of it probably got the biggest fish on the trip as he always does. He gets to fish for a short amount of time and always seems to pull one out of his butt and gets one of the bigger fish. Uh, he got some nice tarpon when we were down in Costa Rica. Um, we were the North, North, North Carolina and uh, catching big AJs and he gets to fish for like the last 10 minutes and catches a cobia. I had never caught a cobia. And he catches Jeff Goudreau. Sorry. Thank you, Will. I love having you on here. It reminded me of people's <laughs> names. You're better than me. You're younger than me. But yeah, so he catches a big old cobia. We're in Hawaii struggling on catching fish. I mean, it was just really, really tough. He's in the boat. We're just trying to find fish. So he drops, has one of my rods, drops a, one of my lures down, catches a wahoo. On a metal jig, no straight fluorocarbon, no wire, oh. and he catches a wahoo. I've never caught a wahoo off my kayak. It, he is so freaking lucky on these trips. <laughs> and that's why we get to bust his butt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's what we should have him on here and do it together because, like I said, it'll be hilarious. It'll be a we, good show. It's Doc fine. talk. We're gonna schedule it. We'll get it scheduled out here this next week and try to get you guys both on at the same time. I think that'll be a lot of fun. That would be fun. So, and we get we get to see everybody. That makes it even more fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. So, as we close this thing out, thank the people, Mr. Jim, that you would like to thank and say hello to who you need to say hello to, and tell the people where to find you. Well, if I'm going to thank anybody, I would thank my wife, like I mentioned earlier, that has put up with me doing this for all these years and has supported me 100% while I've done it um, with not too many questions. Um, she makes the real money. She she has the benefits. And um, so it's, it's through her support that has allowed me to do that. So if I'm going to thank anybody, it's that. You know, I've got some great sponsors. You're still on board with me like... Uh, Siegler Reels and Seagar and Jackson Kayak, of course, who I, I still work really closely with and um, Nakwa Batteries, Yak Attack. I mean, all great people and um, Maui Jim, NRS, 
Let's go ahead mm-hmm. and Archer. Um, they are absolutely awesome. Um, so yeah, those are the ones I would uh, thank. And I thank all the people that I've met over the years being able to do this and will of course for, for riding along with me for so long and Heliconia for starting this with me. Uh, I was their first TV show. Now I think they've got like five or six of them. We've got several now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, a lot Will of people. Your that, chiropractor. <laughs> my chiropractor. You know, I, I can't thank my chiropractor because my chiropractor has never done anything for my back. He actually, when I go to the chiropractor, he laughs at me. He goes, Jim, you know, I can't help your back because I can't, your back's a wreck. So I, it's be- more like better living through pharmaceuticals injections in my spine that have uh helped the uh the most but um yeah it's like those if people want to find me you know jimsammons.com the kayakfishingshow.com uh kayakfishing tales is our youtube channel and of course uh we're very active uh we're we're um very active on uh on facebook and a little bit of instagram a little bit of instagram like, yeah i don't do a ton of, yeah the inventor of vicodin yeah <laughs> travel with vicodin always <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that don't know you can pick up your orion cooler and jackson kayak at jacksonkayak.com well, you can pick up your orion cooler but you can browse our boats and find your local Jackson Kayak dealer at jacksonkayak.com. So with that being said, thanks for watching. Jim, thanks for being a guest. Hey, thanks I for appreciate you, watch. dude. Thanks everybody who watched and asked questions. That was yeah. super fun, and hopefully we can do it again. And uh, yep. I had a Thank great Thank you for time. the side I, I banner. I talking kayak fishing. So. Yep, absolutely. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to do it in a long time, so I, I really appreciate the invitation. because Well, uh, you'll be back in a couple weeks. It re-motivates me. This, this re-motivates me. back in a couple weeks. I guarantee it. So that oh, being my, said, dog is com- my dog is coming in to say it's time to be done. There Thanks you go. Huh. Well, we will see you guys on the next one. Uh, Orion Podcast will be back. Check us out on Doc Talk this week, Thursday night at 8 o'clock. We'll see you then. All Bye-bye. right. Thanks, man. See you.